Let's go to the book of Ephesians. And um, how you doing tonight? Man, I could tell you're doing good. You pressed in and you're overcomers. And uh, God never promised us we'd float through life on a flowery bed of ease. In fact, he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. So I reckon whatever you, I, we are facing, uh, it doesn't take God by surprise. It doesn't overwhelm him. Um, he'll perfect that which concerns us, it says in the Psalms. You know, in Philippians 4.19, it says, My God shall supply all of your needs. And uh, David, Psalm 23, said, The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not lack. Right? He, he is watching out for you. He loves you. And uh, the, the hater, the devil, is called the accuser of the brethren, and for good reason. That word in Greek, accuser, in Re- Revelation 12, is categoreo, and that's where we get the word categorizer. And categorizers try to pigeonhole us and label us. That's why uh, Jabez, you know, his name meant, uh, what did it mean? Pain? And he had, to, he had to overcome a bummer name, you know. And um, the, the, the people of Israel had to overcome the, this trend that we became as grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So everybody say this with me. I am, I am. what the Bible says I am. I have what the Bible says I have. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a new creation. Right? You're wearing that well? You're overturning the garbage of the devil by countering it with the truth. Right? So Ephesians chapter 4, I want to talk to you about a target that Jesus paints in Revelation. Paul the Apostle talks about Revelation 8, 26 through 32. So as I'm having you go to Ephesians, taking a sharp right and going over to Romans chapter 8, and I want to read these verses to you from the New American Standard. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 32. We'll get it up on the screen if you didn't have your Bible with you. And um, in the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps our weakness. Aren't you glad? For we don't know how to pray as we should. We face things and say, how do I pray about this? But the Spirit, everybody say, but the Spirit. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit helps us when it's kind of inexplicable as to what we should do. I've, been in, I've faced situations I'd never been in before. I prayed in the Spirit. I prayed with my understanding. I prayed the Scriptures. I prayed desperation. I prayed in faith. And God answered. And he, search, he who searches the hearts knows exactly what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the perfect, precise, precision, beautiful, fulfilling, awesome will of God. And, and we know, read this with me, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he, also, for, whom he foreknew, he also predestined, look at this, to become conformed 
to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Let's put that back up there at the beginning of that verse. This is the target, and this is, is our destiny. He, he, this is something he had on his heart way back when. In, in our pre-existence, he had our destiny in mind. And whom he foreknew, he also predestined. You have a destiny. Say, I have a destiny. I know I shall fulfill. A destiny involves a destination. It involves a journey. And this target is painted is, is, is the most important thing in our Christian life, right here. You hear a preacher say, this is the one thing, the most important thing. This actually is the most important thing. Conformity to the image of his son. We're to imitate, be imitators of God as beloved children, it says in Ephesians chapter 5. To walk in love. We're to see Jesus as the firstborn of many brethren. And because we've been made partakers of his divine nature, you know, here's what I have some, I have some assumptions I make. And I have, this, this, these are my beliefs. So I'm going to tell you my beliefs are as such. Number one, God created us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So, by me saying that, I don't believe in the theory of evolution. I believe in God the creator. I believe we're not an accident. I believe we were, we were intentionally made, not just a creative designer, but a personal God named Jehovah, Yahweh, uh, God the Father. And he made us in his image, in his likeness. Male and female, he created us. And the first thing he told, he blessed us, and he said, be fruitful. Look at somebody next to you and say, be fruitful. It doesn't say be a fruit cake or be fruity. It says be fruitful. So we don't want to miss that one there. Fruitful is abundantly productive. Fruitful is abundantly productive. We're in a consumer-driven culture in the West. But in the culture of the kingdom, he shifts us out of consumption and he shifts us into productivity. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, it will be done for you by my Father who's in heaven. John 15, 7. If we abide in the vine, we'll bear fruit. And in this is my Father glorified, that we bear much fruit. And I'm, I'm preaching to stimulate fruitfulness. I'm preaching from Ephesians to help you in 2023 to bear much fruit. And God's eyes, the Bible says, are look, run to and fro throughout the earth, looking for people whose hearts are his. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And uh, that he may strongly support them. How many of you like, are interested in finding out what that's all about? Where he brings order out of chaos, light out of the darkness, Answers out of all the questions. Peace in the midst of confusion, right? Healing in the midst of hurt. Direction in the midst of, I don't know what to do. Assurance in the midst of being overwhelmed, right? But unfortunately, sin separated humanity from God. And 
That was called the fall of man. And it's disturbing how harsh that whole thing is. First few years of my Christian life, I was mad at Adam and Eve. And um, I really was. And then I realized, had it been me, I would have messed up worse and sooner. (laughs) Really. And I thought, I'm no longer mad at Adam and Eve. You know, it's like, well. And um, the prototype couple had free will. And uh, that's a gift. And it had to be, because God didn't want to create robots pre-programmed just to have this sort of blind obeisance. He wanted us to, with our own volition, intentionally respond to him. And so that's why we have free will. He downloaded the law into Moses on the mountain. Don't do this, do that. To underscore and clarify our lost position to create boundaries and parameters so we understood what God wanted. And it also pointed to how much we needed a Savior. The Bible says the law is a tutor that leads us to Christ. Because if we break one law, we've broken all of them. What do the Jewish people have? 613 laws. We look at the Ten Commandments, but they actually have 613 laws. And... uh, You know, I've been with observant Jewish people trying to spin all those plates. And it's a tool, it's a tutor to say, really, you need somebody that would come and fulfill the law, and that would be Jesus. The prophets foretold specifically, I believe in a Savior who is sent to save the Jew and the non-Jew. I'm confident of the gospel that it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I got such a testimony I can't tell you about, but a friend got saved today. 96 years old. It's a big deal. The specifics of the prophet's foretelling, there are like over 300 plus specific prophecies about how he would be born in Bethlehem. He would, you know, be on, on come in on a, on a donkey and, you know, uh, born of a virgin, you know, and all these particulars. And if you tried to sequence all of them, you know, it's one in, you know, 800 zillion and Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. And so then he said, it's good that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the Holy Spirit empowers us. He's not weak toward us. The Lord is the strength of our lives. I mean, it meant something when we were singing. We're not just playing around. I mean, we're not here trying to fulfill religious obligation. That would have come and gone a long time ago. Why there's staying power in this is because it's real. Because Jesus is just so amazing. And 
he raises up ministers to equip us for the work of service. And that's what I want to talk to you about in Ephesians chapter 4. So let's roll into Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll start with verse 1. If you didn't read much Bible this week, you're going to get, you already got almost a whole chapter from First Chronicles. You're going to get a lot of Ephesians. And Ephesians is like a stack of steaks. This is a carnivore diet right here. This is the meat of God's word. <clears throat> Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one God, one body, one spirit, just as also you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I told you it was a stack of steaks. How do you fly through that? But to each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Did you hear what I just said? To each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We all have it. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, the expression, he ascended, uh, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. I believe there's a God who created us in his image to make us fruitful. Tragically, sin came and separated from a holy God, a fallen world. The law came to expose humanity's sin and paint a target and prompt us toward a redeemer. The prophets foretold about a savior that would come. And uh, Isaiah said, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He had you in mind when he came. Came on a rescue mission to save sinners, to divert us from going to hell, and to deliver us from the feudal way of life passed down to us by our earthly fathers. No matter how noble your pedigree or not, Gideon, you know, he didn't feel like he came from a noble situation. And when the Lord began to call him, his first thing was, I'm the least in my father's house. We're the least on the, on the block. You know, he came out with all, and it was a bunch of excuses. But since God can speak through a donkey, don't you think he could use any one of us? And in fact, it says, I'm looking down. I'm not looking at anybody now. So it's, <laughs> it says, it would be insulting. But it, it, it says that he gives grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Everybody say there's a grace for me to do this. There's a grace for you to conform to the image of Christ. 
There's a grace for you to walk in the nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? There's grace for us to overcome the harshness of this fallen world. He hasn't abandoned us. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Who in here has tried to run him off and his mercy just kept going after you? Right? He's just there for us. And when we're faithless, he remains faithful. You know, even if we lapse, he's there. And, you know, it, when we sin, if, if we sin, it says in, in 1 John chapter 2, um, we have an advocate with the Father. He advocates. In Hebrews, it says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help at the time of need. And when Jesus was amongst his people in a, in a very concentrated observance of, of legalism, he said, come to me in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, all you who are weary and heavy laden, excessively burdened, bogged down by religious constructs, by obligations, by, by guilt and condemnation. And he said, and I will give you rest. You like that? Come, he said, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. I was watching TV and these guys were telling preachers how to lead during this time. And I turned it off. I didn't bear witness to what he, they were saying to me. I, didn't want, I haven't watched them since. Noble, great guys, but I didn't bear witness to it. Because it was inconsistent with this. Jesus is gentle and humble of heart. And in fact, it said earlier, it says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling from, with which you've been called with all humility and gentleness. What I was being exhorted on was harsh and uh, punitive. And I had to contend with that. I had to judge that like we have to judge scripture with scripture. We have to judge prophetic words. We have to judge what people say. You have to judge what I say. Make sure it's in line with the scriptures. And it's... Uh, Showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Can I tell you something? In John 17, Jesus prayed his priestly prayer. One of the last things he did in his earthly life. Father, make them one as we are one. That's going to take a miracle. Because no amount of ecumenism and no amount of politeness is going to be able to pull this eclectic thing called the body of Christ together, except the head of the church and us dialing in and obeying the scriptures, trusting the Holy Spirit to help us out. But we're to be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And there should be some diligence to this. And uh, the Lord's bond servants should not be quarrelsome, um, but we're to be patient, right? How, how shall we then live in this you know, there was a local pastor here just down off Ballas. And um, he, uh, what was that guy's name? Francis Schaefer. He pastored down the street. Did you know that? He said, how shall we then live? You know, and it was like, this is like the Roman Empire. What do we do in it? What did Daniel do in Babylon? What did he not do? He thrived. What did Jeremiah tell him to do when things hell, hell was breaking loose? Go protest and be mad and, and, and be in anarchy and rebel against the weird kings? No. 
Build houses, get married, have your kids get married, have babies. Pray for the welfare of the city so that it'll go well for you. That's not passivity. That takes everything. It's easy to be cantankerous. It's easy to get in a cause. And let me tell you something I've learned. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is, is so specific, but rebellion is too. And it feels like the anointing in some ways. It's exhilarating. You rally. Other people agree with it. But rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. It, it doesn't have a good outcome. <laughs> and all the, the, there was a category of people following Jesus had all these expectations on him. And um, they were the zealots. And they were disappointed. Because they thought, hey, our Messiah is going to come in in a, in a, in a you know, like a, a, a Sherman tank and blow up the adversaries of Israel. And he comes in and he's like talking to the centurion and saying, your servant is healed. I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. It's like, you shouldn't even be talking to him. He's our oppressor. And he came to save us, right? And he came to reveal the kingdom. Church needs to understand this. And so God raised up apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and we all have benefited from the the seasons of good teaching, including the Bible writers, John and Luke and Paul the Apostle and so forth, who laid down their lives so we could have this book, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Men of old were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote it, and God preserved it. The canon of Scripture I'm confident in. And, uh, you know, if God could create all the stars and the heavens, he could take care of a book for a few thousand years. Right? And thank God for his word. So apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers download into us so that we are equipped. Right? This is happening even right now. Equipping is coming to you. For the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the building up of the body of Christ. I only want to do things that build up the body of Christ, not tear it down. And, um, and also to pursue unity until we all attain. Everybody say attain. Attain to the unity of the faith. Now, the word attain in the dictionary means to reach as an end. We're told to have the end in mind. You know, we're told to... Uh, be considerate of the, of the long haul, right? We live in such a compulsive, fast-paced, superficial world that this is, an, this is an acquired thing. We're not in a contemplative society, and yet here we are contemplating. Because this is not just, this, is, this actually is from the East. And we have these Western minds Western minds are so linear, the East has this different perspective on, on, uh, on things and fulfillment of things. And so it's awesome that we here in fast-paced North America can go back into these truths, meditate on the promises of God, and um, start to see what God has planned in his restoration. Because... Paradise was lost, but Jesus has restored something. He said uh, he came to preach the kingdom of God, and he said to the followers, he said, the kingdom of God is within you. 
and that our citizenship is now in heaven. And we're actually raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places. So kids, when you're getting bullied on the internet or you're getting uh, peer pressure, you're actually the one that should carry peer pressure. Not like the kind of antagonistic bullying peer pressure, but this resilience. A couple got asked, um, so where do you live? And so, well, he lives in one place and I live in the other. We don't live together. We're not married yet. And they were like, they were stunned. Like, I don't even know how to respond to that. We've never heard of this before. You know, if, if Christians um, act normal in just regular temperature, the world will think we broke out in a fever. We're looking for revival. If we let this stuff get in us and we walk it out, it's revival. We're revived and then we're walking in the characteristics of the kingdom. And so we're to walk in that manner. And then if this, this chapter really breaks this down. But, you know, I think about this early on, I realized, like, Jesus asked Peter, he said, hey, do you love me more than these? Like, fishermen's boats and his business and his buddies and the world. Oh, you know, I love you, Lord. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. And so God raises up people to lead and help us. I think about in my young life, T.L. and Daisy Osborne were precious people that impacted us when we were in our formative years. And um, I remember when our first baby was born, and we were at a meeting in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. She was in a little pumpkin seat. She had flaming red hair, still does. And in walks T.L. and Daisy Osborne. And uh, Daisy wanted to hold the baby. So she's, I just looked and I thought, here's T.L. and Daisy Osborne. They're evangelists. And they became real equippers in the end of their lives. And we had the privilege of getting to have precious time with them. They even asked us to work for them, but it wasn't God's will because God wanted us to start this church. So here we are all these years later. I had to say no to Daisy and T.L. Osborne because it wasn't, and it was hard because it was a dream. It was a dream to be under such an equipper. You know, he'd go into bullfighting rings in Cuba in the 1950s prior to the, the, he was so intuitive and led by the Holy Spirit, he would be there before the the revolution. He He would feel the doors of the nation close behind him as he just got out. He was in, in a place in Africa, one of the countries, and a helicopter came and landed, and a man in sort of a military kind of a coat walked up to him and wanted to be on his platform in the meeting that he was forming. And he had a check in his spirit, and it was the president of the country, and his name was Idi Amin. He said no to Idi Amin, and he had the meetings in Uganda that impacted so many lives. And I got to watch that. And then when Reinhard Bonnke came, the last decade of his life. I don't know if you guys realize the equipping that was downloaded in this house. It's absolutely profound. The love that he had, the nurturing quality, the humility of that guy. We went to his last meeting in Africa. He invited our family to go. It was a privilege. In fact, he said, I, want, I only wanted one. I wanted your family. You're the family I wanted to come. And he brought us to Africa, and we got just to stand there with 750,000 people saying goodbye to him and him saying goodbye to Africa. And he downloaded something. He imparted something of his heart. 
teachers that have instructed us. My friend Paul Clark, we talked about getting saved in the early 70s and how the strength of that early period was the music and testimonies about our lives being changed. But then along in about 1975 came teaching. Now there were some winds of doctrine that were wrong, but then there was some real solid teaching that was equipping. Praise God for that. Teachers that had a heart after God, that qualified their terms and made sure they were getting their messages on their knees and seeking the Lord, making sure they were judging Scripture with Scripture, to stabilize us, to equip us, so we could withstand the harshness. Having done all to stand, we stand in the evil day, right? Having done all to stand, we stand. Make the most of your time for the days are evil. What's the evil day? Every day. It was evil in Babylon for Daniel, but he thrived behind enemy lines. It was evil for Joseph in uh, ancient Israel, but he kept his eye on the promises. And it helped him to sustain. I was reading in Philippians where Paul, for some reason, was talking about the afterlife. And he says in Philippians chapter 1, stay there, keep your hand in Ephesians 4 because we're going to finish in that. But he said in verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And uh, don't meditate on that when you have suicidal thoughts. Don't think about that. That's not the verse you look at. You, you shake off that other stuff and don't start longing to go be with the Lord. Because you're not done yet. Say, I'm not done yet. <laughs> For if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. Everybody say fruitful labor. Fruitful labor. So I believe God's called us to increase fruitfulness. So when, when T.L. Osborne was on this platform preaching, you could have heard a pin drop. There was such a nobility. There was such a buy-in. He meant it. And when I would run into him in, 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 in the public, I would see him in, in his town he lived in. I'd run into him. He'd be at a restaurant with a guy from Africa. and He was full-on in the pulpit and platform and out amongst everybody, as was Bonky. Bonky was one of the most impactful evangelists in the last several hundred years in terms of he led certifiably 79 million people to the Lord. He was a Pentecostal Billy Graham. And he had childlike faith. You know, when we were doing jump, my son Kingston pointed out the red shirts. I said, what are you talking about? We, we created in that vacation Bible school, we had to organize it by ages. And the five-year-olds wore red shirts. They were the kindergartners. And Kingston observed, and it was really amazing what he saw in the five-year-olds. He said, Dad, they're, they're, they're not in school yet. They're, they've not been subjected to the harshness of of comparison drawing and over-analysis, and there's a, there's a brightness and an adventure. He, he described it with a lot of, of, of terms that I was like, wow. He said one of them came running in and, and slid down the carpet and had never had 
carpet burn before. And it was like, it, it Kingston felt bad that he, that he, he had, it was, it was like, oh, I, you know, because it's, it's the first time you've ever had carpet burn. I hate to tell you, but it happens, it happens. How many of you, had, yea, verily, had many a case of, yeah, road rash, carpet burn, life, life, life will chafe, right? There's, it's abrasive, right? And, and, and Kingston was being careful not to, like, make it idealized or because, or, or like, it's so naive. He was see, seeing it, like, um, hopeful and, and the wonder, yeah, the wonder and the joy. You know, I saw that on T.L. Osborne, and I saw that on Right Heart Bonky. That's what I saw. I didn't see people pontificating, showing off, being the most spiritual. They were like children. And yet they were masters over so much responsibility, overseeing aircraft and building projects and built, you know, schools and making sure wells were dug for people and going into nations and reaching, you know, over a million people at a time. You know, they talk all braggadocious about Woodstock. This was like double Woodstock on an easy day. And also... In Nigeria, the impact, it's, it, it set a standard in the equipping where, where people would come in and go, you know what, we could believe God for big things. And, and there was a prayer meeting there that had a million people show up. In one prayer meeting. That'll, that'll, that'll impact a nation. And then the, the, the sending aspect of it. You know, when... I think about this region because this is where God's planted me. So I thought about uh, Daniel Boone was in Boonesboro, Kentucky and had established a city, a community, and it was solid. And he, I think he, he got where he wanted to have an adventure. So he packed up and he left Boonesboro, Kentucky, and he came right here. And he, he came right over Highway 40 on the overpass of the Boone's Crossing, Right. And uh, and he based out of here, and when he was in his 70s, he learned like six or seven Native American languages, dialects, and led an expedition west. And I like that kind of thing. I, I attached to that. You know, Pat Boone came to our meeting out in California, and I got to meet Pat Boone, the crooner, you know. He's still out there doing movies and singing and stuff, and. He said, oh, you're from, I heard you're from St. Louis. I said, yeah. He goes, I have some relatives from St. Louis. I said, oh, really? Who? And he said, Daniel Boone. <laughs> I went, mm, Daniel Boone. Wow. I wish I could say that. <laughs> but since I can't say I'm related to him, I could say I can relate to him. And, um, and receive, the, receive the inspiration that uh, there's still more for us to do. And um, I heard somebody say that Christians sometimes, in their hunt for the, the sensational, often miss the supernatural, the subtleties of the supernatural. And I'll tell you where it's really Jesus, humbling ourselves, clothing ourselves with humility toward one another. It's the opposite 
of being the, 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 the most spiritual in church. That, that's what Jesus dealt with, had to contend with, with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were so pretentious. It's like you got, in Matthew 6, is dedicated to you. You're fasting and you're showing off like, oh, I'm so miserable, I'm fasting. Or, look, I'm praying. Or, look, I'm giving. You know, it's like, guys, go into a closet and pray. But, no, people won't see me. Exactly. Go do it with God. Right? Give. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Right? Fast and put on some hairspray and look sharp, you know. Some lipstick or whatever. No, yeah, no lipstick. Yeah, I don't want to mess that up. Attainment is to come into possession of achievement. Attainment is to come into possession of achievement. I believe that um, this is a year of achievement, accomplishment, advancement, and fruitfulness. And I believe we could tackle some of the things God's called us to if we'll just get that mustard seed of faith and that awareness of that grace that God's given corresponded to our gift, you moms with your kids, you teachers in school, hospice nurse, medical doctor, banker, boy, you're needed right now with the anointing, with strategy. You can save your company. You hook into God and listen to him. You can save people's jobs. Uh, but, but Paul said, he said this. He said, I'm going to remain. It says in verse 24. He says, um, he said, well, in verse 23 of Philippians 1. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. 22, 23 says, but I am hard pressed from both directions. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ for that is very much better. Did you know heaven's going to be great? You know, death is not the worst thing you could have happen to you when you're a Christian. Did you know that? He, he's actually delivered us from the fear of death. Now, we, we're not to be morbid and be death-oriented. We're to, life is for living, right? And that's, in fact, what Paul concludes here. He says, man, even though it's, like, amazing, I'm going to get to eventually be 100% connected with Jesus face-to-face, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. When I ran into TL with my daughter, we were visiting her college, and uh, he introduced this this, uh, African guy, and he said, this is what I live for. This is what I live for. Like what Paul said. What are you living for? What are you, what are you willing to die for? What's your aim? Well, I'm, I'm crucifying my flesh. Like Addison was saying, like we don't have to flip out. It's easier said than done, but that really is right. We've got to fight the good fight in this area and not let the devil have a toehold. You guys still with me? You say, Pastor Jeff, you said Ephesians and you went to Romans and now you're in Philippians and you read Second Chronicles. Where, what are we doing here? I, I'm, I'm downloading truths to help you to conform to the image of Jesus, have the light go on to get a download in you right now so that you can be o- obedient in the upcoming moments out there and God will place you 
God has taken me all the way across the planet to talk to one person. And it's like they walked up to me and I'm like, what are you doing here? And uh, God, God I, I'm telling you, I don't believe in networking or name dropping and manipulation. Here's my card. I believe in divine connections. It seems almost the same. But, but those are created by God. The others are, we tra- we're trying to man- massage it and, and manipulate it ourselves. But, and I understand in business, you got to get to know people and sit and introduce and all that. So I'm not downplaying that. But what I am saying is, Daniel 11:32. the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I've got a testimony I can't tell you. That is so powerful it would blow your mind, but I can't tell you. I wish I could tell you. I'm telling you. I I am being really mature right now by not telling you. And I know you, but it would it would bless you. But I can't tell you because they said don't tell anybody. But I want to tell you, but I can't tell you. But it's just about a believer being at the right place at the right time. Apparently, having been equipped with some faith and some courage who was right there at the right time. That testimony Steve gave about the brother in the church who had uh, a challenge with some taxes. I mean, he blew the mind of the supervisor that was in his case with how fast God worked it out and how compliant and respectful he was. You know, it wasn't like he was trying to hide anything or do anything uh, uh, with ill repute. He was, he just, it just got in a moment, you know, and then it was like, it got overwhelming. And the guy said, do you realize how serious? Yes, I do realize it's serious. And he, he, he just got going in faith and God delivered him. I don't know what you're dealing with or facing, but let me tell you, we're, we are pressing into God that so that we may attain and, and hear that big five, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Take a deep breath and say, I'm all in, Lord. You know, that's what Isaiah said essentially in chapter six. He said, here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me, right? Everybody say, here am I, Lord. Send me. So, by the way, the music tempo is coming up. I'm feeling prompted to finish this. It's good. I love it. Keep going. says here for the equipping of the saints for the work of service for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith the knowledge of the son of God here it is to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ I could spend a lot of time talking about aspects of maturity 
and how we're not to be babies, but we're to grow up in him. It says, as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We've seen it. God doesn't want us to be tossed and on a pendulum swinging one extreme to the other. It's easy to be extreme. It takes a little bit of effort to be balanced. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Say, oh, grow up. In all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Now I want to finish with verse 16. Let's all stand up on our feet. We're going to read this out loud together. Look at this. This is, this is a breathtaking target for what happens with the equipping. For what, what can develop on the other side of a meeting like this. St. Patrick's Day 2023. And we're not partying. We're not pitching each other if we're not wearing green you know all that kind of stuff you know we're here reading the word and trying to get ready for what god has for harvest for a a global outpouring of the anointing of the holy spirit that will reach hundreds of millions of souls and god gathers assemblies like this and raises up local church bodies like this to allow and create stability and training so that we could be ready for the next steps Hallelujah. That was a lot more anointed than your response was. But anyway, from whom the whole body, let's read this out loud, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love proper working of each individual part. What what we're doing is we're submitting to the Holy Spirit right now and saying, Lord, tune me up. Everybody say, tune me up. Dial me in. Sensitize me. Harden me to difficulty. Toughen me concerning problems. Make me tender toward your Holy Spirit and toward people in a way that I can flow with you. Here am I, Lord. I lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Whatever I put my hand to will prosper. I put my hand to the plow and I will not look back. I seek the Lord. I seek his face. I seek his purposes. And Father, I'm asking you to use me in real practical ways in my interaction with others to encourage people that might be down, to strengthen people that might be weak, to urge people away from temptation, and to help people to get a glimpse of Jesus. Lord Jesus, be glorified in my life, in my family, in my household, on my job, in my church that you will move mightily in Jesus' name. Amen.